We find people that basically can't make enough uh, to, to, to eat before they go into the fields. I don't believe that. I think that you're looking at other places that are not Central Romana. People actually who focus on and go like getting an orgasm never get one. Pull up your socks and figure out what you're going to do. <laughs> Any chance we'll ever get to be a completely red Oh, yeah. And well, the future is always uncertain. Whatever but more uncertain now. Uh, listen, Blue Ivy is six years old. Beyonce's vision. She tried to outbid me on a painting. Everybody in Atlanta right now at the Louis Vuitton store, if you black, don't go to Louis Vuitton today. In five. That's why Four. you need to take a Three. meeting with Kanye Two. West, Bernard Arnault. Hello, and welcome to Grubstakers, the podcast about billionaires. My name is Sean P. McCarthy, and I am joined today by my fellow Irish Catholics. Yogi Paywall. Dear Jeffers, Maddie Palmer. And today we wanted to do a bit of a late St. Patrick's Day celebration and talk about the greatest family of Irish American aviators in history. Uh, and that is, of course, the Kennedy family. Uh, we all watched the, uh, the six part CNN documentary series entitled American Dynasties, the Kennedys. Uh, and in terms of a review, I think we can all agree that the CNN part of the title gives you all of the review that you need. Uh, but we will be going through the chronology of that documentary, as well as filling in some of the information it skips over uh, to just start with some basic information about the Kennedy family itself. There are today over 100 members in that family dynasty. Uh, Forbes magazine estimated that as of 2015, 30 of those family members have a combined net worth of 1.2 billion US Ooh. dollars. Joseph P. Kennedy Sr. is uh, was JFK's father. He was at one time one of the top 20 richest individuals in the United States with wow. an estimated net worth in 1935 of 180 million, which translates to about 3.36 billion in 2020 dollars. So we're going to tell that family story in mostly chronological order, kind of starting with JFK's great-grandfather, you know, going on through his father, JFK, the assassination, RFK, Teddy, and then we'll round it out with some of the, the more defective models of the family, uh, the duds that don't quite function the way the originals do. <laughs> uh, but, you know, of course, it's a big topic, so uh, we're, we're, we're not going to rush it. We're going to take our time and just go through it. Uh, so if necessary, we'll break this up into multiple episodes but before we start the chronological story of the kennedy family we should just kind of go around and spend a few minutes talking about what our general impressions are of that family going into this as well as what our impressions were of this cnn documentary we all watched well i just want to say you know after watching the cnn documentary my main takeaway uh, about the kennedys can be summed up in one word glamour they were <laughs> glamorous you know they mm -hmm. they looked good they dressed well they knew how to smile for a camera and uh one of them was president or something <laughs> yeah camelot it's just the pageantry i was i was starstruck watching this entire thing um there was also something about I don't know stock speculation by someone in the distant past that you know didn't isn't important to the story of the family. Joe was not a bootlegger. There's no evidence that Joe was a bootlegger. <laughs> it kind of uh, yeah I mean CNN in the title yeah definitely that fills that clues you in that they're going to downplay all of the what should be basically almost common knowledge as far as like some of the family skeletons. Hmm. But um, not if you your main source of the news is CNN. 
I think they spent more time on Jackie's outfits than they did on the Cuban Missile Crisis. (laughs) Andy is not exaggerating. They actually did do that. (laughs) The the doc from me from CNN gets a D minus. I think that for a six hour documentary that has zero Marilyn Monroe footage and, and not nearly enough JFK just getting his dick wet everywhere. I think that bullshit if you ask me for in six hours you can't show marilyn monroe uh you know getting it on well yeah yogi in fairness they did have the uh, marilyn monroe singing happy birthday footage but they didn't have the secret marilyn monroe james angleton recording <laughs> jfk footage uh but that's you you can't even foia that right now yeah they they also didn't include the footage of uh uh bobby's uh uh, a henchman going into her hotel with a syringe and <laughs> making sure she stays quiet. We, we choose to kill Marilyn Monroe and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. You know, I got to say for a, a doc about the Kennedys called the Dynasties, it's really just a hundred years of mediocre white people crashing and burning in mysterious ways. Uh, the Irish are not white. America was ready for a queen. That is actually something they said about Jackie Kennedy. Uh, Jackie, I'm going to be cheating on you, and I need you to redecorate the White House. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, Sean. Uh, The Kennedys aren't white, but they are from Boston, and so fuck them. Fuck Mm. their Irish-loving pieces of shit, Clover Fox. People in Boston can suck it. Y'all suck. Y'all know what you did. Interesting fact. uh, They did mention in the documentary, and we'll, we'll get to some of this later, but uh, JFK, while he was in uh, naval intelligence, had an affair with a uh, Nazi spy, a journalist, just probably a Nazi spy. And the FBI was actually uh, bugging him and recording his sex sessions with the spy. And then later on in the White House, uh, CIA agent James Angleton would also be bugging the White House and recording his uh, sex sessions with uh, Mary Penachet Meyer. Uh, so I think JFK actually holds the presidential record for most government agencies to record him having sex. <laughs> to be fair, by the time he, they were doing that in the White House, they were just doing it for jerk off material. They got tired of the Nazi fucking. Uh, can we get JFK fucking somebody new for once on tape? My father agrees with what your country is doing to the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> Not because it is easy. But because it is hard. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, I was actually asking on Twitter just the fact that the FBI and CIA do or did have recordings of JFK fucking. So oh, it's yeah. like, could could we FOIA that? Because I think we should be able to play that on our podcast. I think that has historical value as you an know, audio one, drop. One thing I was uh, I came across while I was actually researching this episode um, or at least some some mob stuff that we'll get to in a bit, uh, was that the FBI illegally recorded mobsters. And um, this wasn't uh, discovered until later. And the FBI had, by the time it was uncovered by, I think it was like the Church Commission or, you know, all of those post-Watergate hearings, right. um, it was uncovered. And one thing they found was that like the tapes had been destroyed and it was all they had were transcripts, oh. which... Huh makes me think that if there are if there were recordings of jfk <laughs> fucking you just got to read it and use your imagination do the voice in your head it was the safest way to transport it yeah they, they have like annotations like moaning in a boston accent <laughs> <laughs> 
At this point, John says Marilyn, but the R's are all fucked up as he comes. <laughs> Marilyn! I noticed that they started at Joe Sr. They didn't really talk about Joe's parents or his grandparents, the immigrants. Mm-hmm. They, they said that her mom saw the no Irish need apply signs and that made her bitter. And that is after that has been thoroughly debunked, the existence of those signs that in large part, what? those were for domestic workers, um, for people who didn't want Catholics uh, raising their Protestant kids. Mm. And it was mostly popularized by a song. Fight, fight, fight. Sean, defend, yeah, your, defend I, your lineage, dog. Come on. Get his wasp ass well, out of here. I know what Andy's talking about because I read a, a medium post from a self-hating Irish American, uh, a house Irish, as it were, who seems to no hard seems R, to Sean. think that there was <laughs> seems to think that there was no no Irish need apply signs and just like found two or three of them in the newspaper in all of recorded history. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was exaggerated the scale of it. Sort of like the Salem witch trials. Right. So uh, what does everyone think of the Kennedy family? Yogi. I mean, like, you know, for how little I knew about the Kennedys, because like similarly to like a lot of things that like white people just kind of know off the bat and growing up as a brown kid, like I didn't know like 90% of what the doc had about Kennedy. And I like, like purposely didn't look at it because it's one of those things where like, you know, the moment you start looking at it, the the more your brain gets broken you know what i mean mm. and so like yeah i wouldn't know about that <laughs> just spending the last year tweeting about nothing except the jfk assassination right, like, <laughs> i i do think the kennedy cia assassination which we'll talk more about later is like the beginning of information indoctrination brain melting nonsense like you learn so much about a topic that it renders you unable to function as a person afterwards and like i started watching like various like fourth party cia uh pieces on youtube and then like i had to stop within like an hour of that because i'm like this would never stop i could do this for years of my life and at the end of it i'd come out more confused and have very little information on my side. I mean, it's a lot like listening to this podcast. It doesn't really accomplish (laughs) what we think it's going to. It's just ruining our brains day by day or or the billionaire elite would kill us by now. Those are my favorite listener reviews where they're like, yeah, Grub Stickers talked about how bad this billionaire was and I really thought he was a piece of shit, but I can't remember anything they said in that episode. (laughs) (laughs) And the funniest part of that is I recorded the episodes and I have the exact same experience. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes like someone will bring up a billionaire we covered, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that guy uh, did something." <laughs> a cloud of resentment sort of obscures any actual knowledge. Just yeah, just two hundred hours of brain melting billionaire facts that no one can retain, even the internet. Yeah, I mean, I think like my opinion is on the Kennedys have changed a lot. Uh, I think generally we'll all be in agreement that it's a pretty shitty rich family that did a lot of (laughs) shitty things and we'll go through what that all is uh i think the assassination itself is pretty fascinating and we'll probably spend a fair bit of time on that later but before we get to that i did just want to make a note that actually uh in my obsessive uh schizophrenic russ cole tweeting about the jfk assassination i did get uh the attention of former presidential candidate marianne williamson oh she actually tweeted back at me uh icon of the 60s 
uh, because I had a tweet, and, and I think uh, my and again we'll talk about this later. My theory is that the JFK assassination was masterminded by the CIA, mm-hmm. and I think this kind of set off the other assassinations of the '60s sure. because they went, "Hey, we killed the president and got away with it. We can clip a reverend." We can yeah. kill a United Auto Workers union leader. We can kill a, a Black Panther. Students. Uh, yeah. So I tweeted out, weird time in American history, the 1960s. All of the major progressive political leaders were assassinated. No other time that happened. Even more weird, all lone gunmen with no help at all. All coincidences. And then weirdest thing, U.S. politics becomes wildly more reactionary after. And then Marianne Williamson tweets back at me, When most people die, the grief gets easier every year. But with those assassinations, it gets harder every year. Why? Because everything we feared would happen has happened. And I think that's a very insightful thing. I think uh, American politics is still kind of traumatized by the 60s and this series of assassinations. And there's really been, I think, inarguably a dark turn ever since those occurred. And so I do think that is the significance to an extent of the Kennedy family. My personal take is that like, well, first of all, my take is that um, uh, NASA was behind the Kennedy assassination. (laughs) Well, that's Uh, true. Yeah, because he uh, made them work too hard. (laughs) (laughs) Like if if your boss says you have to land a man. They wanted to do the easy thing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If if your boss says you have to land a man on the moon in nine years, you're going to kill your boss. That is funny to imagine the NASA employees hearing that, like, we choose to go to the moon, not because it is easy, but because it is hot, and going, oh, no, fuck shit. this. It's <laughs> <laughs> way too hard. I'm not working Saturdays. What the hell? I do think to Sean's point about the 60s, it did create a infinite nostalgia for an era that never existed. I think that similar to right now with people fawning at the thought of a pre-corona time coming back you do have an era that is so um you know historic in terms of assassinations and every generation after that clinging to that type of american life i mean i, I similar to why we have you you know all of us saw greece uh, and it's a movie about kids that are like <laughs> 40 plus years old pretending to be 15 in the 50 like it doesn't make any fucking sense unless you consider that there were you know five to ten years where anyone with hope just got their dick punched in (laughs) as hard as possible and so any sense of like hey remember remember when we all used to think things could be better that was nice driving cars that were real loud and fucking chicks on the side well, that's and that's so true, Yogi, because the 60s, I think, more than anything else, represents the last time in American politics where people had the idea that things were getting better right. and would continue to get better, except for uh, about two months into Obama's presidency. <laughs> there was that like little window where Obama got elected. And then by two months in, they were like, yeah, no, nothing's getting better. Everything's <laughs> getting worse. But just that and the 60s. Yeah, when Obama was like, yeah, I'm not going to release um, these extra Abu Ghraib pictures because uh, I don't want to. Uh, hey, look, I killed a Somali pirate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, I, I, my thing with JFK, with the JFK assassination, like being a, a, a CIA um, operation, the, uh, the reason I'm kind of iffy on it is because JFK was, a, he was not a bastion of, progressive politics he was a pretty mediocre president like on every 
uh, level, both foreign and domestic. And, you know, he did some things like Bay of Pigs that pissed off the CIA, but, and said that he was going to shatter them into a million pieces, but never really followed through on that. Um, and so it, like, I, I do, I, I do tend to believe, um, uh, you know, theories that Martin Luther King was killed by the FBI. Like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think that's pretty credible. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to JFK, he, he was such a product of the establishment that I find it hard to believe that he was killed by the CIA. Boo! Boo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think we'll have this debate later on in the course of this episode. Uh, I can point to like the, cause I, I felt the exact same way Andy did. And then I just went insane and started reading all these conspiracy <laughs> books. And so I have, I have my little dossier of evidence here that we'll run through later. Um, Sean, but I think who's like, standing behind I, you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at, least, at least you didn't arrive at like it never happened. Right. He was killed by natural causes. He died of natural causes later. That was he was he was disappeared. That was a body double. Uh, I've come around to Jackie shot first. <laughs> <laughs> the best. She had a little is revolver like... in her seat and just shot upwards. That's why the bullet trajectories make no sense. What? Uh, I guess we'll get to it later. If you isn't there, enough... Wait, isn't there a theory that like um, uh, the Secret Service accidentally yeah. fired and killed him? Yeah, one of the theories right. is that one CIA agent accidentally shot either before or after the sniper shot and also hit Kennedy in the head. Well, okay. and look, I honestly do believe that the CIA willfully puts out some of these disinformation things uh, because, you know, that book... Um, I think it came out that the Secret Service accidentally killed Kennedy. If my memory serves, it came out either 92 or 93. So like right right around the time of the anniversary and right after the Oliver Stone movie, they put this kind of theory out there. And then just recently, a former CIA guy, James Wolsey, uh, wrote a book about how actually uh, Khrushchev ordered Oswald to kill Kennedy. Mm. So he's uh, just so happens Oliver Stone has a new JFK assassination documentary coming to Khan's uh, film festival in June or July. Uh, and so now they're kind of circulating again this idea that the Soviet Union assassinated JFK, which has no basis in reality whatsoever. Yeah, um, like th- that was uh, immediately ruled out by both congressional investigations. Which I guess means they did it. Well, and, you know, like, I think the entire story of of what happened after is so fascinating because, again, the theory that I've kind of come around to is that a lot of what was happening with Oswald, I believe he was a CIA asset, and I believe they were kind of sheep-dipping him to make him look like an agent of Castro because they wanted to kill Kennedy and then say, hey, Castro did this, we get to invade Cuba now. But LBJ was like obviously a psychopath, but he didn't want World War III. So you can actually listen to some of the phone conversations of LBJ just in like days after the assassination, calling people to set up the Warren Commission and being like, yeah, we just got to say this is a lone gunman. We, you know, we all agree this was a lone gunman and a lot of people are freaking out. But so I need you to get on this commission. So it, it was kind of a thing where they all before the investigation was complete within several days lbj and some other people had determined that this was a lone gunman because they didn't want it to point at the soviet union or cuba because they didn't want a nuclear war and when you listen to those recordings of lbj you have to 
uh, picture them as they were with his giant dick hanging out across <laughs> his leg to intimidate whoever's in the room. Just fondling his balls. <laughs> uh, but last point I want to make, and then of course we will revisit this all later and go through all of my uh, chalkboard evidence all of my my cork board with all the little uh, red string. string across it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean's, Sean's so crazy, his cork board has a chalkboard. <laughs> and his chalkboard has a cork board. You put the, I, I put the disinfo on the cork board and the real info on the chalkboard. Mm, that's right. <laughs> to throw off uh, the CIA. But uh, my last point would be, I do not actually dispute Andy's characterization of JFK as not a particularly progressive president. Though I'm, I might say maybe by modern Democrat standards, but uh, in the grand scheme of things, not really. But I do think I still buy the CIA assassination because I think the CIA and the military industrial complex, if anything, that kind of shows how really insane these people are. I would characterize them as an American Gestapo, how extremely right wing they are. And I'll just give you two examples we know now from declassified documents that on at least two occasions, the Joint Chiefs of Staff proposed a first strike nuclear attack to JFK because it's an interesting thing of the Soviet Union and U.S. military thinking of that period is the Soviets had detonated a bomb, but they didn't have like total wipe out the United States capacity right. yet. So U.S. military planners did come up with this idea that if we launch a first strike nuclear attack by like 63 or 64, you know, we'll maybe lose 20 or 30 million dead, but like the U.S. will survive. And this was, of course, you know, famously parodied in, in Dr. Strangelove. Mm -hmm. But this was like a real thought in military circles, uh, you know, and JFK turned that down. And apparently his um, secretary of uh, state at the time, I think Dean Rusk, remembers him say, leaving one of those meetings and saying something to the effect of, and we call ourselves the human race. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's that element of it. And then the other part is, I think a lot of people know the story of Operation Northwoods was this insane CIA uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff plot to stage false flag domestic terrorist attacks in the United States in order to have justification to invade Cuba, <laughs> to like kill Americans, blow up targets, right and then say, this was Cuba, we have to invade Cuba. Most insane part of Operation Northwoods for the 9-11 conspiracy people is apparently there was a part of it where the CIA said that they could uh, make commercial airlines disappear midair and be replaced with drones what? or like military vehicles and they they could uh, make this not appear on air traffic controllers. Like just mid-flight, they would have a a military plane with the same, you know, flight number sure, and sure. identification markers. And then in the air, they would switch them out and air traffic control wouldn't be able to tell. Huh. Uh, but anyways, the relevant part of that is Operation Northwoods, this false flag domestic terror attack, was approved by every single member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and then was ultimately overruled by McNamara and JFK. So kind of the point here is I did, I've did. i seen this idea online that uh, the military killed JFK to stop World War III, and I just want to underline that is very much not the case. <laughs> These people would have loved World War III. Wow. So wait, this whole plane in the air thing, is it like Batman and like a smaller Batman car inside? Is it like there's a plane and then like it like pulls off and there's a smaller plane inside and that's got the fucking goods uh, like what what I'm, I'm confused if i if i were to guess they were probably they would probably fly a jet that's uh, the same size as a passenger jet like over uh the passenger jet mm -hmm. and um, confuse so that the doppler on, uh, yeah so that on a radar it looks like the same thing i mean you would have to do it maybe in a place where there's like a gap between radars sure, sure. 
um, and, and so that they don't see you coming in and merging with the the other jet. But radar was pretty unsophisticated back then, so it would probably be pretty easy to trick. You know, that's where the uh, urban myth of eating carrots makes your eyesight better. Do you guys know about this? I don't know if y'all heard about that. That like I, carrots make your eyesight. So like that 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 comes from World War Two, where the the like fucking I don't know. I think the British had the radar, and the German pilots were like, "What the fuck? How the fuck are they finding us?" And they're like, "We eat carrots. We fucking that makes our eyesight better." It was just a fucking <laughs> yeah. uh, nice information. Yeah. Hmm. That's how Lee Harvey Oswald took those shots. He was just <laughs> eating a lot of carrots. He just what's up, Doc? The situation, Bugs Bunny to the dome. Oh, one one other thing about the documentary is they chose to end off with hilariously. Um, what's his name? The fuck's the runt's uh, name? JK three. JK yeah, John Kennedy the third. Right. Yeah. They, in in uh, the con- the one that's a congressman right now. You know. Well, it was a or, what, or was, you know, yeah, my yeah. theory about about uh, John Kennedy the third. Hmm. That's he's what happens when a Kennedy doesn't get pussy, <laughs> because or at least doesn't get side pussy, because you know there's so much like, like in the in the sixties it used to be so easy for politicians to have an affair, sure. mm. and you know they they would just go to a motel and the press would be like, well he's just a guy being a dude. There's no news here, um, but now when a politician has an affair, you know everyone wants to jump on it, right? And so he he's got to stay faithful to his wife, and it's he he's glitching out. <laughs> You're this right. Is maybe why, that, this is why Marquis the... dominated him. You're right, Andy. Maybe that is the Kennedy magic, is just cheating on your wife. I mean, I know this is like this tangential, but I do think that the reason JFK just slang dick all the time was because he knew he was going to die because of that disease he had. Mm. We'll get into this more a little bit later. And so he was like, I can't marry a hoe because I'm going to have a family with her. I'm going to die, you know? So he was just like, I'm going to... Addison's disease. That's right. He was just like, I'm just going to slay puss 24 7 and you know you set your mind to something like that because you got an older brother that's gonna fucking like be the president so you you can just be a jerk off like you get to be the jab of the family you know <laughs> and you're like i might as well just fuck fuck chicks and, and live my I'm life like, i'd like to see him uh justify it that way to his wife <laughs> <laughs> when she when she like clearly catches them yeah. a few times honey you said you wanted me back in DC. This is how we get there. <laughs> I have I have a degenerative disorder. I don't I don't I wake up every day just happy to be alive. <laughs> but before we get to all that, to the assassination, the health problems, everything else we've kind of hinted at here, we should go all the way back to the beginning. Um, the CNN documentary is very scant on the early family, but I know Andy did a little bit of research there. We know that the family fled Ireland during the potato famine and they ended up in Boston. Uh, I believe we could start with uh, JFK's great-grandfather, Patrick Kennedy, and then his grandfather, PJ Kennedy, before we get to uh, Joe Sr. Uh, Andy, what were you able to, to find out about uh, this, this ancient and proud Irish family? Well, actually, I've um, just, just from Wikipedia, they have some stuff on um, pre-Patrick Kennedy. <laughs> Um, apparently, the Kennedys originated from a, a Gaelic clan, O. Sinaida Fionn. Uh, you can tell me how to properly pronounce that, Sean. 
I'm sorry. Just in my head, like I imagine the second any of us says Wikipedia, somebody just hits unsubscribe <laughs> on Patreon. <laughs> just immediately stops the episode. Like, nope, that's enough. So they come from uh, uh, an Irish American family called Osanida uh, Fion, and mm. they had a, a castle called Nye Castle um, close to what is today Pukani County Tipperary uh, in 1546. And then it says that they lost out to the new English order in the kingdom of Ireland. Uh, basically, Cromwell kicked them out of their castle and made them farm potatoes. Aww. Oh, shit. It is so funny that the Kennedys have a tradition of being the ruling class and then getting owned by the wasps. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what years was this? Um, it, is, it says 1740. Oh, okay. So, so not not Cromwell then. Oh, that wasn't Cromwell. He was like mid sixteen hundreds, sixteen forty. Okay. Well, it's it's all Oliver's army to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> After they passed some like no quarter for the Irish bill in Parliament, they just went and did horrible things to them. Yeah, killed like twenty percent of the population, <laughs> basically. <laughs> called an English warm-up. Um, they were like, no, those were just lone soldiers. We had nothing to do with any of it. <laughs> this was a random, deranged English soldier killed 20% of the population. We have since apologized and even passed a law that says it is illegal to kill the Irish in Ireland. We had an investigation and everything. We cleared Cromwell. <laughs> Cromwell led the investigation. So uh, the first Kennedy to land on the shores, as we said, is Patrick Kennedy, who arrived in 1849 and worked as a barrel maker. So there wasn't, there wasn't, uh, it do, there does not appear to have been family wealth uh, when they came over. Um, Patrick Kennedy had a son also named Patrick Kennedy, Patrick Joseph Kennedy. So he's referred to as PJ Kennedy. Hmm. And he he's kind of started building what we now know as the Kennedys. He first hmm. worked as a longshoreman and saved up money. Uh, and then he purchased a saloon, which was successful. So he purchased a couple more. And then he purchased a whiskey importing business. Hmm. And he helped start Columbia Trust Bank. Um, and after he kind of had a, a nice little nest egg for himself, he got into politics, hmm. uh, getting himself elected to both the Massachusetts House and then uh, Senate. And he even gave speeches in support of Grover Cleveland at the 1888 Democratic Convention. So they, they were Democrats going... Uh, all the way back to when Democrats uh, wanted to reinstitute slavery. It was like an Irish speech, so he was just like screaming and pointing at pictures and <laughs> <laughs> throwing his feces at the audience. <laughs> You're like, wow, he's one of the most well-spoken Irish Americans we've ever encountered. <laughs> oh, wait, can I just say uh, that the fact that he owned a saloon, just kind of a minor point of uh, contention, or not contention, but... The idea that JFK's father was a bootlegger, we'll talk about, is like debated. Mm -hmm. But I do just want to kind of underline, like, well, his family money still comes from alcohol, right, whether or not it's legal. He was peddling drugs to his community, and that's how the fortune was built. Right. Wait, is is does alcohol have a destructive influence on the Irish community? <laughs> no. Uh, so Joe Kennedy. Now um, he was born 1888 in Boston. He attended Harvard, hmm. 
And um, he started his business career, well, at, at age 25, um, he found that uh, Columbia Trust Bank, the one that his father helped start, uh, wasn't doing very well. Mm -hmm. So he borrowed 45000 from Friends and Family LLC, <laughs> which is uh, <laughs> the rough equivalent of $1 million in today's dollars. And he uh, purchased a controlling interest in the bank, uh, becoming the nation's youngest bank president. Hmm. Uh, that's so funny because, you know, the CNN documentary, of course, starts with JFK's father, Joe Kennedy. Right. Uh, and then the family mythology is that Joe Kennedy was self-made, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, no, he got a million dollar loan. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, and there's, uh, I guess, uh, mayors of Boston and stuff in the family even before him and all that. So I guess on his mother's side, his mother was the JFK's mother was the daughter of the mayor of Boston, I believe. So yeah. the family money goes farther back than just Joe Kennedy. Jo yeah. Joe, yeah. Joe, Joe Kennedy's dad was like a at least a local like a boston business magnate hmm. or he had like several several saloons like his mom invested in businesses too yeah joe kennedy's wife rose fitzgerald kennedy her father john francis fitzgerald honey fritz nicknamed was the hmm. boston's mayor and uh, apparently rose fitzgerald was honey fitz's favorite daughter um hmm. and she rose helped John during their elections. So Rose had like uh, campaigning shit from her childhood. Yeah, yeah. The sense that I get is that uh, the Kennedy, uh, the Kennedys as a family in general, they would pursue power and then kind of back it up with, you know, um, politic or the actual policy later. Like they'd find kind of a policy to fit in with. Um, uh, whatever type of power they pursued. Right. Uh, mm. So because the family was so in the democratic machine, you know, they became this progressive family. Um, and I, I think when you have the, um, the Boston, uh, with the case of Rose Kennedy and her, her father being a Boston mayor, uh, it, it seems very much like, um, you know, Joe, who was also a, a Boston businessman was, marrying into another powerful family in the region um to kind of you know become a power couple and use all those new connections that he would get through that marriage um and i'm sure they loved each other or something uh so well, as long as as long as they got my great uncle a job with the civil service i don't really have any complaints <laughs> So uh, Joe, uh, later he became an assistant general manager at the uh, Bethlehem Steel for River Shipyard in Quincy, Massachusetts. Um, and uh, the shipyard made boats for the Navy and as luck would have it, there happened to be a First World War happening when he started working there. And uh, he got a nice windfall from that. Um, after the war, Kennedy got a job as a stockbroker and he built his net worth to about 2 million reinvesting in real estate buying buying stocks at just the right time we've kind of talked about this a little bit on the podcast but world war one is very important in american history for kind of the start of the military industrial complex we've talked about how most all the great american fortunes trace themselves back to uh wartime procurement That's right. um and world war one was a huge bonanza for that so I, I do think it is nice that really they, they did manage to fix 
the uh, military industrial complex by introducing Irish diversity into it and not just <laughs> making it exclusive to the wasps at the start of World War One. Yeah, it was it was nice that they had representation. <laughs> representation matters. Yes. Um, so in 1919, uh, Joe purchased some movie theaters in New England and he uh, saw that the moving pictures could land a crafty man a good buck. And he also noted that the money in movies was in production, not distribution. So through the mid to late 20s, uh, even though Joe had a lot of stock um, holdings, mm -hmm. he typically he tended to focus more on uh, movie studios. He, he would he would buy movie studios. And then um, the typical line is that uh, those early movie studios would play fast and loose with their finances. And so he whipped them into shape and uh, made them more profitable. Yeah, it's similar and, to when we covered Sumner Redstone and, and how the, he played the production companies against one another to make a buck. Yeah, Joe Kennedy bought those movie theaters and he was like, wow, someday they're going to play that Oliver Stone movie where my son gets his head blown off. <laughs> Just before he got in to jump back to the his career on uh, Wall Street, he he was basically doing what Melvin Capital did. Oh, really? For a while. Yeah, he was like a, a short biased um trader on Wall Street. And he worked he worked at a firm that specialized in that. And he he and a couple other firms would just get together and basically do what they did to GameStop to get it back wow. <laughs> to get it back to <laughs> to operate the price back down to where they just politically need it to be to make money for themselves. Right. And they would just do that repeatedly, like um he was actually in uh joe joe was like not very far from the wall street bombing that took place in 1920 and um ever not not missing a beat he actually had taken out some short positions right immediately following that like when there was still wreckage <laughs> there was still wreckage and like people's limbs and shit right. he was just like well let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was known as the bear of wall street um i did want to mention i read like the first quarter of uh, rfk jr's book american values lessons i learned from my family and um we'll talk more about uh rfk later of course mm -hmm. but so obviously you know it's a kennedy book it's it's well written i think but it's extremely biased in in favor of the family sure and uh so of course he denies that joseph kennedy was a bootlegger or had any connection to the mafia or that he had any sympathy for hitler <laughs> uh that he just was like very sad about world war one and didn't want world war two and you know that part is certainly bullshit but he also kind of uh explicitly glazes over the fact that uh joseph kennedy swindled people on wall street and it, it's Technically, what he did was not illegal because these laws didn't exist yet. Sure. But Joseph Kennedy became, under FDR, the first director of the SEC. And the idea is he sort of redeemed himself by making illegal everything that he used to oh, do wow. to make money. <laughs> so, you know, like pump and dump stock scams. Joe Kennedy was doing that. You know, uh, insider trading. Joe Kennedy was doing that. Um you know, spreading false rumors about a stock, uh, anything you can think of that is illegal. That's how Joe Kennedy made his fortune on Wall Street. Yeah. And specifically, he like instituted a bunch of reporting requirements, like SEC reporting requirements that they have to regularly do about like hedge funds and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like he basically closed the loopholes that he willingly used. 
Or they weren't loopholes. They were just gray areas. So he made them into a, uh, a regulation that now has, it still has loopholes to this day, but it's a lot harder. When, back like, when he was a stock operator. It is sort of funny though, because it's like, we talk about all these Wall Street criminals and yeah, he made his money as a Wall Street criminal. It just wasn't illegal yet. Right. So he's not technically a Wall Street criminal, but he just did all the exact same things they did. He was still arguably doing like monopolistic things, I guess you could of say, of cornering, cornering the stock market of relatively thinly traded companies and then paying journalists to write glowing articles about them mm. while he already had a position and he just rides it up and then he sells at the top and then takes a short position afterwards. Can I just say two other things from that RFK Jr. book? Um I wanted to mention, you know, my parents are like big into the Kennedys, you know, Irish uh, immigrants. What? Uh, so I, w- I wanted to get... Welsh. She's half Irish. My mother's oh, half Oh, wow. Irish. I didn't know I was uh, dealing with a half breed. <laughs> and my dad's all Irish. Uh, but anyways, look, <laughs> I wanted to get them this book, but RFK Jr. just happens to be like a huge anti-vaxxer. So uh, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting until they get the COVID-19 vaccine sure. and then I will send them this book. Makes sense. Uh, but then my favorite story from the book, and I do think this is a very great, uh, very enjoyable story. He talks about uh, at the time in Boston that he was growing up or, you know, shortly before he was born, there were two great rich Irish families. And it was, of course, the Kennedys. And then the other family was called the Skakels. And uh, the the Kennedys were kind of known as the more button up, you know, traditional Irish Catholic, you know, his mom. Uh, or I should say his grandmother was like a really rabid Catholic. We'll talk about that a bit. The Skakels were known as like the wild uh, party guys who just never should have gotten money. (laughs) And uh, his mother, RFK's wife, Ethel Kennedy, was originally Ethel Skakel. She came from that family. Mm -hmm. So he tells this story about the Skakels, just illustrating like how they used their money because it was just like all brothers and then his mother. Uh, The brothers would... They had a mansion and they would just buy luxury cars and then they would drive these luxury cars up into the mansion. Uh, But the mansion had a lake, like a couple different pools Mm -hmm, around it. So what each brother would do is when their brother was driving up the driveway, they would light matches and try to throw it in the gas tank (laughs) of their brother's car. So each brother would have to like bail out of the car and dump it in the lake to put out the fire. And this was like a game they played with luxury cars, just burning these things out. Why didn't we cover this family? What's their net worth? Yeah. That's a fucking family I want to cover. <laughs> it's like, you well, know, the thing is, you, you know, the thing is, Yogi, the billionaire families like this don't stay billionaire families <laughs> when they're exploding their luxury cars. That's why we don't get to talk about any of these cool billionaire families. Yeah, they honestly, just, we should encourage that kind of behavior. We really should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, if, it, if there's anything that I've learned from this show, it's that the most legitimate rich people are the ones who just fuck around with their money, <laughs> or the most morally like neutral, sure. are right? The people who just dick around, like they're 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 above people who uh, give I don't know ten percent of their money to philanthropy right, and course. pretend that they're Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they're trying to rejoin the working class, and there's something noble about that. <laughs> Just spending all of your money on gambling and exploding your brother's cars. <laughs> <laughs> 
but Sean, did any of those guys die crazily? Like Kennedy's, they all fucking had some some sad, like you know, oh no, a dude died in a whatever. But like, did the Skakels? Did they all fucking perish in bullshit ways? Like, because they were just testing death out every fucking moment they got with matches and cars and stuff. But it seems like they all lived long lives where they were broke eventually. I think some of them actually did die. Like <laughs> he has some other story about. I guess in their mansion, they had like a rope line that was extremely dangerous. <laughs> like, I don't know if anybody actually died on that, but they would like go down it just, you know, for fun. Um, but like weird. So this is like would be getting to it way later. But one of his. God, it's such a fucking weird story. One of his cousins. Here's the thing about zip lines, though. A safe zip line is not a fun zip line. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is very true. Uh, one of his cousins, his Skakel cousins, would uh, serve prison time for murder, and RFK Jr. would write a book about how he's innocent. But it's it's weird, though, that that particular Skakel just happened to go to this main boarding school that is notorious in internet conspiracies and reality for being, like, an abusive school where they, like, do extremely fucked up psychological programming to the students. What? And, like... Yeah, they'll like, if you misbehave, they'll lock you in a room with a mattress and nobody will talk to you. And uh, they'll make the students fight each other. And, you know, wow. like kids have died there. Like the entire thing is, and if you really like dive into Weak it, people- kids have died there. People will say it's like an MK Ultra programming school sure. where they like try to create dissociative identity right, right. disorder in the kids so that they can, you know, the CIA can do what it will. But um, but yeah, the- uh, the actual Skakel family. I, I I don't know the exact details. I think there were a couple sad accidents there. Riveting. Joe also got RCA in contact with the film industry so that they could sell their talkie technology. Uh, RCA was not the first to have talkie technology, but they had non-proprietary technology, unlike the Warner Bros. technology, which Joe Kennedy could not get a hold of. Uh and apparently, for a brief period in 1928, Joe was the head of four different studios. Uh, yeah, so about his um, shady Wall Street dealings, uh, right before the Wall Street crash, uh, this online biography of him that I was pulling from said that um, Joe's acute sense of foreboding uh, caused him to pull out a bunch of his money right before the crash. Um, also, some conversations with friends and I think that might have had more of an influence than his acute sense of her <laughs> Right, right, uh, right. It's just like Irish clairvoyance. Yeah. But he just straight defrauded the Wall Street banks? I mean, he, he probably got an inside... Well, yeah, he probably got like an inside tip. And I don't think he... I guess he defrauded the banks. Um, they, at the very least got the better of a few yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, minor Skakel family update. According to the New York Times in 1967, uh -huh. uh, the uh, RFK's brother-in-law, so the brother of his wife, right. the Skakel guy, uh, he died in a plane crash in 1967. So I guess he was just trying to fit into the Kennedy family. <laughs> hey, you're right. part of the family now, trying to explode. But then... Uh, Sean, yes. can I just give you a piece of advice? Mm -hmm. never get a pilot's license <laughs> <laughs> but then this that was actually a sub detail in this story about his widow mrs skakel oh. who it also in 1967 choked to death on a steak what what t-bone steak death what 
Yes. A spokesman for her family said she apparently had choked on a piece of meat that had lodged in her windpipe as she ate dinner. Ugh. It's like Kennedy family cleaning up loose ends. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah, she was rich, so she wasn't eating alone. So you just had a bunch of rich people who don't know the Heimlich maneuver watching her choke to right, death. Right. Somebody get a servant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to... I can't touch a person. Yeah, so we mentioned uh, Joe... Uh, getting on the SEC, the way he did that was he threw a bunch of money to FDR in the 1932 election. Mm -hmm. And uh, after prohibition was repealed, and this this is something that people will use as evidence that Joe was not a bootlegger. Right. Um, after prohibition was repealed in 1933, Joe bought a gin importing company to basically cash in on the newly legal uh, alcohol importation. Though I... So people will argue like, oh, he had financial interests that were uh, anti-prohibition. But uh, from what I've seen from weed legalization, you know, a lot of growers who uh, sell to the legal markets got their start selling to the illegal yeah, markets. Yeah, you got you got to have a so, system to uh, do the deed that's illegal when it's legal. It's not, you know, there's a clear path there. You know, for one article I found that's... Um, Stuck in the Kennedy dick, it says that uh, bootlegging is the last thing he would do, says Nassau. He had other ways to make money. He knew where the line was between legality and illegality. He wasn't going to cross that line because his children, who he lived for and hoped would be presidents and senators, were already tarred with the brush of being Irish Catholic. And he wasn't going to add to that by being indicted for bootlegging, which, boy, if there's a better kiss-assy quote, I've never, I've never fucking seen it because... The idea that this man that was on Wall Street and was like, hey, Nazis, they're all right in my book, knew the lines between legal and illegal and wasn't going to compromise those, a uh, bullshit. Yeah, he was like, technically, Hitler's invasion of Poland was legal under international law <laughs> because Poland attacked first and they assaulted a radio station in Germany. Right. He, he famously wanted what was best for all his kids all the time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so yeah, Joe became chairman of the SEC, as we uh, mentioned, uh, he resigned in 35, uh, in 36, he figured he'd get back into politics by publishing a book titled I'm for Roosevelt, which was about why the business community should support Roosevelt and the new deal. And he, you know, kind of juiced the, uh, distribution for that to make sure it was pretty widespread. Hmm. And, uh, after Roosevelt was reelected, he made Joe the chair of the United States Maritime Commission. And 10 months later, he made Joe the ambassador to Great Britain. And um, that's where the story gets especially interesting. Um, so people have found um, some correspondence between Kennedy and Joe Jr. from uh, his oldest son from 1934, in which the son calls the Nazis dislike of the Jews well-founded. Hmm. And uh, Joe replies that his son is that he is very pleased and gratified at your observations of the German situation. Um, also, apparently, according to confidential German documents made public by the U.S. State Department in 1949, Joe Sr. Uh, met with the German ambassador to Great Britain, Herbert von Dirksen, in June 1938. And... Uh, Dirksen later informed Baron Ernst von Weizsäcker, uh, State Secretary of the German Foreign Ministry, that Kennedy told him that the Jewish question was of vital importance to U.S.-German relations. Hell yeah. He also wanted to meet Hitler. 
Yeah, that's like, you know, so yeah, the part of RFK Jr.'s book where he's like, my granddad was not a Nazi. It just, it really undermines the rest of the thesis if that much is untrue. Because like, I did want to mention on the was Joe Sr. a bootlegger or not question, RFK Jr. cites the screenwriter Nora Ephron is the lady who wrote uh, the screenplay for When Harry Met Sally, Mm -hmm. among other movies. And she She would know. Yes. Well, yeah, she's the expert. She wrote a New York Times op-ed which said that she did like, I guess, a bunch of research on some sort of liquor or alcohol book. Mm -hmm. And she said she couldn't find any evidence that Joe was a bootlegger. So uh, (laughs) make of that what you will. But he was definitely a Nazi. Yeah. So uh, about the bootlegger thing, actually, let's go back to the Nazi for a second. Um, So like apology for uh, Joe Kennedy uh, if you watch a Kennedy documentary, they'll have various versions of his position was that um, the United States and Great Britain were not equipped to fight Germany. Right. Mm. And so he was a major opponent of the war. Um, and that's the only reason they give. And then he felt really bad later. And, and of course, that... Um, his his sympathies and uh, attempts to meet Hitler uh, seem seem to indicate that there's a little more going on with his political calculus. Hitler was like, "I'm a Nazi. I'm not some sort of monster who meets an Irishman one on one. I'm not going to recognize their rights." Things don't go the way Kennedy wants them to, uh, as it turns out. Um, uh, no, what are happens. you talking about, Andy? Yeah, France I, falls. Yeah, everything's fine. <laughs> Uh, so when Great Britain is uh, getting bombed, uh, Kennedy sends his kids home to uh, the United States uh, and gets an enormous amount of shit for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually Roosevelt takes him out of his position as ambassador because, I mean, Roosevelt apparently in private called him a fascist mm. uh, and never really liked him. Um, and that pretty much was the end of Joe Kennedy's personal political career. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, I think we've established that uh, Joe Kennedy's reasons for doing so were private sympathy for the Nazis, but he supports Neville Chamberlain's appeasement in Munich in 1938, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is interesting in that it may or may not be a defensible policy, but it's just completely fucked up all U.S. foreign policy discourse ever since. Sure. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, because actually, you know, Curtis LeMay, the uh, the psychopathic uh, mass-murdering U.S. Air Force general, uh, would be part of JFK's Joint Chiefs of Staff, or he'd be the Air Force commander there. If you've seen Dr. Strangelove, he's the guy who says, we ought to get ourselves a doomsday machine. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Curtis LeMay would accuse President John F. Kennedy of appeasement for appeasing Fidel Castro. Right. And of course, like when, you know, and that just kind of like gives you the the mentality of the U.S. military at the time where they thought Castro was Adolf Hitler. But it, it also like uh, the CNN documentary does point out that when Curtis LeMay said that to Kennedy, he was actually kind of invoking his father. Mm-hmm. He was saying, you're doing the same thing to Castro that your father did to Hitler. You know, right. we need to stop this militarily. We're not prepared for the Cuban military machine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like uh, 
the documentary does mention that Joseph Kennedy is smart enough to realize once the U.S. enters World War II, his political career is over because he had been pretty explicitly on the side of Hitler in this particular debate to the point where, as we mentioned, FDR withdraws him as ambassador in October 1940. So at this point, Joe Kennedy starts focusing on the family. Uh, he starts putting his eye on the future of his kids' political careers. Very unfortunate for Rosemary Kennedy that he started focusing (laughs) on the family. Yeah, should we talk about Rosemary first? I think we should. So they had, had like, what, seven kids. One of them uh, was a gal by the name of Rosemary Kennedy. Mm -hmm. And according to the Kennedys, the, the family... And they're our primary source. They're everyone's primary source on this. Rosemary was a little slow. Hmm. Uh, she she wasn't learning to read as well as other people. She wasn't learning to count as well as people. Uh, and when she, she was also uh, a dime, like she was. Uh, look up a picture of Rosemary. Palmer Kennedy wants to if, fuck Rosemary, uh, regardless of her mental condition. Palmer's in. She, I mean, well, I. Back in the day, who I mean, Back. sounds like she'd be down. Yeah, people, Andy, in that documentary, people were talking about how hot Jackie was. Jackie's got nothing on Rosemary. <laughs> Andy, be very careful about how you talk about how you want to have sex with a mentally disabled woman because people on Reddit are going to start a rumor about you. <laughs> I will say that in the CNN doc, and other things, they, they use terms like, you know, a little slow or, or mentally disabled. Literally any account of this woman pre-1990, it's just the word retarded everywhere. Like, I'm not trying yeah. to be shocking, but the amount of times you see, oh, Rosemary, yeah, she's lo- retarded. She needs a lobotomy. Like, that is written by various sources several times. Yeah, and of course, you know, a little slow in the 1930s, who knows what that means? Right. They didn't really... They, they might have just meant she was annoying or, uh, you know, she uh, wasn't reading as fast as her sisters. I mean, it seems to me like Rosemary got a lobotomy because she had the uh, Kennedy fucking all the time gene, but she was a woman. Yeah. yeah. So that's the the straw that broke the camel's back was that, uh, as the Kennedys put it, she was... Uh, Gentlemen might start taking advantage of her and she might get an unwanted pregnancy. Basically, yeah, she she was pulling dick and uh, you can't have that. And so her dad sent her to a couple of um, experts in uh, what was known as psychosurgery. Uh, one of them was James W. Watts and the other one was Walter Freeman. James W. Watts actually later said that Rosemary most likely suffered from just a, a severe kind of depression. Right. Um, but that didn't stop him from uh, doing a surgery. Uh, Walter Freeman, incidentally, later came to fame for pioneering the transorbital lobotomy, which is where you take an ice pick and stick it in the inner part of the eye. <sighs> and then you take a little hammer and you, you tap it to break the bone to get it up into the brain. And then you swish it up and down and, and pull it out and uh, at one point, he became so famous that a, a photographer came to, to photograph Walter Freeman uh, doing this procedure. And while he was posing for the picture, he moved the ice pick too much and killed the patient. Ugh. And then 
didn't say anything and just walked out of the room. Yeah, I, I have an account of uh, Rosemary's uh, lobotomy from Ronald Kessler's The Sins of Fa the Father, Joseph P. Kennedy, and the dynasty he founded. Uh, this is from the book. We went through the top of the head. I think she was awake. She had a mild tranquilizer. I made a surgical incision in the brain through the skull. It was near the front. It was on both sides. We just made a small incision, no more than an inch. The instrument Dr. Watts used looked like a butter knife. He swung it up and down to cut brain tissue. We put an instrument inside, he said. As Dr. Watts cut, Dr. Freeman put questions in to Rosemary. For example, he asked her to recite the Lord's Prayer or sing God Bless America or Count Backwards. We made an estimate on how far to cut based on how she responded. When she began <sighs> to become incoherent, they stopped. When they stopped, she would have the mental capacity of a toddler. Various reports right. say two to four years old. Um, it prevented her to walk or speak intelligibly, and she was placed in an institution where she was cared for until she died in 2005. So technically speaking, she was the oldest living Kennedy if her mom didn't die of pneumonia later on. Yeah, this was part of Joe's Kennedy, Joe Kennedy's plan to protect her from assassination. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will suspect if I cut her brain out and put her in a psychiatric institution. It's pretty nuts, the links they would go just because she was fucking more than them. Yeah. The other thing is that Joe Kennedy did this procedure without consulting Rosemary's mother about, mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to put a fucking nail in our daughter's head. Yeah, but you don't have to tell your wife everything, Yogi. <laughs> I guess not. Not not in 19, whatever. A little too on the nose that they asked her to sing God Bless America yeah. while making yeah. her brain Seriously. dead. Seriously. <laughs> God. I didn't want to read this account, and then I was—I saw that, and I that was like, "That could go in a Warner Herzog documentary." <laughs> Some of what the family complained about with her, their descriptions sound just like they—they they were just weirded out by her independence, basically. Like jokes, jokes aside about promiscuity, like the, she was just like, "Okay, well, she snuck out of a boarding school or something." From this article, it says that Joe Kennedy would never bring up the lobotomy in public and he said that she's not here because she's been reclusive and he would never visit her after lobotomy and her name was never mentioned at the Kennedy house so to speak I will say that uh, from some I mean let's just say a source that used the word retarded way too much one of the people in there thinks that Joe Kennedy raped their daughter and then he was like oh fuck I gotta clean this up and so the lobotomy occurred which I don't know if Joe Kennedy senior could have done that but i mean you know the motherfucker's a monster so i i don't know what he could or couldn't be capable of but i will say that rosemary did not need to be lobotomized and all of the kennedy's misfortune i think stem from this whole this incident it's just so funny to me like you know we imagine this is almost like our modern era you know like so 1941 is when she's institutionalized so just like four years before they invent the atomic bomb they're also like hey medicine is where you cut out the yeah, top part right. of somebody's brain <laughs> well as, as i mentioned sean by the time they had the atomic bomb there was a whole new procedure the one with the ice pick through the eye you didn't have to cut anything that's right, that's right. you just had to hammer a little bit Ugh. Yeah, and to continue on with uh, kind of the timeline from the CNN documentary, you know, of course, after Rosemary is lobotomized, they go to a, a slightly more heroic story, which is, of course, Jack Kennedy, you know, future president Jack Kennedy. Mm -hmm. uh, they talk about how he was actually, you know, he had health problems his entire life. This was very well concealed from the U.S. public. 
but he had uh, he contracted scarlet fever at age two. He was basically sick for the rest of his life. I believe his brother, Robert Kennedy, said that there was not a single day that Jack was not in pain throughout his entire life. He would uh, have back problems. He would be diagnosed with Addison's disease. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that a little more later. But why it's sort of relevant is Jack, uh, he joins uh, the military during World War II. Uh, Joe Kennedy, although initially opposed to the war, recognizes once the United States is in it uh, that he's transferred his political ambitions onto his children. So they have to serve in the military so that they can have political <laughs> careers. Uh, which I, you know, at least a slightly better time in America in that respect, in that you had to get your children blown up so that they could have a <laughs> political career. Uh, but Jack Kennedy joins Naval Intelligence, and he starts out with just an office job, because as we mentioned, he was sick. So, you know, he's just filing papers around and that kind of stuff. And so he's, during a war, this, he's a war hero. He's exactly, a war hero. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, during that time, he takes up with a Danish journalist named Inga Arvard. And Inga Arvard is suspected of being a Nazi spy, right. which is why the FBI is spying on him. The uh, FBI is apparently recording his sex sessions with Inga Arvard. And I guess the documentary kind of says that Joe Kennedy becomes aware of this. And again, with the idea of protecting his political career is like, we have to get him out of this desk into a war zone <laughs> so that... Uh, <laughs> You know, the, the takeaway from the war is not that he was just shagging a Nazi spy uh, while everybody else was getting blown up. So he gets transferred to the Pacific and, of course, ends up on a PT boat, which becomes a story that basically makes his political career, mm -hmm. uh, though at least the CNN doc admits that that entire story is complete bullshit, oh, at yeah. least the way it's told in popular culture. In the documentary, they do frame it. They'll say they say the the, the Kennedy biographers will say he was driving this PT boat, which was that patrol torpedo, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, basically, it's a, if you don't know, it's a like, I don't know, 40 foot long boat with torpedoes um, that they had zipping around the Pacific to, to sink Japanese ships. Um, so Kennedy's PT boat uh, was cruising along at night. Uh, again, a moonless night. And Instead of sinking a Japanese ship, uh, which was the objective, uh, they got run into by a Japanese ship and the boat got ripped in half. Right. This was later played up to make him sound like a hero. He he uh, he was floating with all of his all of his uh, fellow PT boat people. A couple of them had already drowned, and he said, "Oh, we have to swim to this." Um, to this island a mile away and apparently one person couldn't really swim so jack even though he was sickly he grabbed that guy and uh swam him three miles to to this island um and then uh someone one of the locals on the island uh didn't speak very good english so jack carved into a coconut a message uh to pass on to the american military telling them um where to rescue them jack should have been court-martialed for destroying his boat. Oh, yeah. And uh, that didn't happen because his dad, Joe, pulled every string he could mm -hmm. to get all of the... to to get the military, not only to get rid of his, um, his court-martial, but to portray him as a hero to the point where someone wrote a book about how heroic JFK was... And 
that even became a movie um with some hunky actor uh they show this in the documentary looking into the camera for some promotional thing and goes i'm playing a young skipper named john f kennedy <laughs> well it's so funny i mean and that's exactly what happened andy because uh, Jack's father, Joe Kennedy, had enough pull to control the official investigation. So the story of Jack Kennedy's life is that it both his political career both begins and ends with somebody controlling an investigation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, and it just tells you how investigations work. These are ultimately political things. Any official government investigation, if you have enough juice, you can kind of control where the investigation goes, what it says, what it concludes. And so his father, you know, it's like, yeah, the Kennedy biographers who play this up do mention the truth, which is that they were in the water and Jack did do a noble thing, dragging, you know, his wounded uh, comrade, uh, I believe, several miles through the water. And that is heroic. But his boat was in the wrong place because Kennedy fucked up his command. So his comrade never should have been in the water. They never should have gotten hit by that Japanese boat. Two of his men shouldn't have died. So it all just depends where you start the timeline as to whether or not this was heroic. Yeah, I don't I don't know if you've heard a ship <laughs> in the water. Uh, they're not quiet. Yeah, and uh, from William Doyle's book on this uh in the movie in 1963, PT-109, the scene is played out where Kennedy thinks of the idea, hey, we're going to create this message on a coconut. But in reality, uh, it was this individual named Gasa who suggested it and Kumana who climbed the coconut tree to pick one. And so Kennedy wrote the message with a knife, but outside of writing the message, all of the hard work of thinking of the idea and getting a coconut was done by his crewmates. They definitely did not say that part in the documentary. No, not at all. So yeah, this movie came out, I believe, in the last year of Kennedy's life, but they talked it up on, um, even before he entered politics, This uh, his father managed to get this in the papers as like a heroic story. So it is just like such a great reversal where, again, it's his fuck up that got his men killed, but he spins that into a heroic story because of his behavior after the fact. Yeah, I believe there was a book written about it that came out shortly after the incident, and that made people be like, this Kennedy guy is fucking good. Mm -hmm. And that would compel his older brother to get himself killed, as right. we will talk about on the next part of this. As well as many other mysterious Kennedy deaths, including the CIA assassination, more on Joseph Kennedy and what happens to his brain, not fun, as well as uh, many more uh, branches of what occurs with the Kennedy family. And some mysterious non-deaths like uh, multiple instances in Ted Kennedy's life. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll kind of cap this off here and pick it up uh, with the rest of what happens when uh, JFK gets out of the military, but also what happens to his his older brother Joe Jr. Uh, on a, a bombing mission over France. But I did just want to kind of mention at the end here, the documentary says that um, Joe's three of his children, Joe Jr., Jack Kennedy, and his daughter Kick. Uh, he would refer to them as the golden trio. Right. So he had his three favorite children. And Joe Jr. was, of course, the older one, older than Jack Kennedy. And he was initially the one who uh, Joe Sr. wanted to be president. We'll talk about how and why he died. But I think to close it out here, we could just mention Kick Kennedy, his daughter. Uh, she also initially looked like she might have some sort of political career in England. But then she took up with uh, a Protestant and then a divorced man. Mm. 
and uh, she married uh, the divorced man. And apparently, her mother, uh, Rose Kennedy, was like such a devout Catholic that she like disapproved and wouldn't go to the wedding of the Protestant man that she married. But then she uh, disowned her when she married the divorced man. That's right. Uh, to the point where. In 1948, um, Kit Kennedy and her husband were flying to France uh, in bad weather to meet their father and get approval for the wedding. Uh, and of course, uh, Kennedys love to fly in bad weather. Uh, it's a family tradition and they crash into a mountain and they die. And Rose Kennedy, her mother, says that her daughter's death was quote unquote divine retribution for trying to marry a divorced guy. And that was the end of... <laughs> kick Kennedy, one of the three golden children. But that just kind of gives you an idea of the type of parenting that raised uh, Jack, Teddy, and Bobby Kennedy. That's right. Yeah, I think if there's one major theme, it's that uh, the Kennedys could have been so much more powerful had it not been for motor vehicles. <laughs> Small aircrafts, in particular. Well, planes, boats, cars... Helicopters conspicuously absent. Skis, though. Oh, yeah, skis, yep. Yeah, I think the uh, the Kennedy curse could either be described as the Central Intelligence Agency or the combustion engine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so we will pick up on the uh, next part of our look at the Kennedy family with the uh, tragic story of the death of uh, Joe Jr., flying a bomber plane over France. We'll talk about everything that kind of happened there. And then we will continue on with the uh, post-war political career of uh, future President John F. Kennedy. And we'll just kind of keep going through uh, from there through the assassination and everything else that happened up to the present in the story of the Kennedy family. Uh, thank you for listening. My name is Sean P. McCarthy, and thank you for supporting us on Patreon. Again, I've been joined by my wonderful co-hosts, Yogi Opaliwal, Steve Jeffries, and Dave Palmer. <laughs> we choose to increase our patreon donation to ten dollars not because it is easy but because it is hard Yo, you know cuomo's kids are fucking kennedy grandchildren yeah michaela kennedy cuomo apparently I, I found out that she she made some sex assault t-shirts to raise money and it's a shirt that says my having a good ass does not give you the right to be one hashtag stop sexual ass alt <laughs> and uh, she raised nineteen hundred dollars so great job michaela I, 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 we gotta we gotta buy some of those as like uh patreon tier rewards <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm down so maybe the allegations against andrew cuomo was he was just an italian man trying to be a kennedy <laughs> <laughs> it takes a certain finesse you know <laughs> all right i think we're goodbye thank you